Welcome back to episode 11. Uh, Taryn's back in the house. He is ready to continue the story. Very excited to have him here today. Um, we're going to pick up somewhat wherever we left off. Uh, and where uh, where exactly did we leave off? You know, honestly, <laughs> it's funny because uh, you, you made mention of it in the last episode that uh, we didn't even get to my adult life. So after college... Uh, career-wise and things like that. So it, it was kind of funny to me uh, playing back the episode and, and hearing you say that because I was like, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. There's like <laughs> a good five or six years that I did not talk about. Um, yeah, but, we missed a lot. You know, I, you know, honestly, you're not missing anything. There's nothing too exciting. But I will say that I did leave off some details from the first episode that I want to kind of go back into and touch. Yeah, um, definitely. Let's go into it. So uh, to come back around full circle, uh, I made mention in the last episode uh, that the National Guard was kind of out of the realm of just two weeks in the summer and uh, a weekend once a month. Um, and I feel like I kind of owe it to the audience uh, for whoever downloaded the episode and listened. But, um, you know, honestly, uh, around year for uh, they made some pretty big changes in the in the National Guard um, that kind of involved additional training. So I was attached to uh, FEMA Region Five for the Homeland Response Force. So we did like natural disasters, but not only natural disasters. We also did like you know, hey, terrorist group A decided to like plant a dirty bomb in Chicago, and then we had to respond to it and kind of. Uh, become the control and command center for that region when it came to the military forces. So that added additional training outside of like the normal stuff that we did with the unit. So I went from about two weeks uh, in the summer to about four weeks in the summer. So I would do like one week would be practice. The second week would be like actual like hey, this is real-world stuff, blah, 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 blah. Obviously, it was all an exercise. But uh, fortunately, I got double training, basically. So I got to do my FEMA job, and then on top of that, I got to do my Army job. So, you know, we had the not-so-fun stuff for the first two weeks where it's like, man, this could be, you know, our families. This could be people that we know that are affected, Um and then it could be, you know, complete strangers and we're seeing, you know, the aftermath of, you know, what could potentially happen um, to doing like the old basic stuff where we're shooting guns, we're having fun in the woods, like setting up tents, blah, 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 blah. It's not really fun. But um, so um, the biggest takeaway from that stuff for me was like, OK, so there's additional um, responsibilities on top of just like the normal soldier stuff, blah, 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 blah. We also had to do like the civilian side of it, um, which, you know, to me, it meant a lot because like we could help people in the country. Uh, it wasn't so much like, oh, we're going to go overseas. We're going to do this, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have a foreign enemy. Like it was more so on the side of like, all right, let's, you know, help the people out that need it. So uh, a couple years back, there was a couple hurricanes that came through. Um, the Gulf Coast, and similar to Katrina, not quite as bad, I don't think, because we didn't see the levees fell, but um, they requested assistance down there, and um, 
at the time I was in college and I didn't have the opportunity to go, but I really wanted to. Uh, but those are some of the things that, you know, we could, we could involve ourselves in, um, being in, you know, the army for the, the Ohio national guard, whatever. Um, so it was, it was kind of unique to that experience because, you know, active duty guys, they don't really have that, um, uh, that opportunity without taking leave and doing it on their own personal time. So, uh, it was really cool to, to, you know, have those potential opportunities to go to, but like I said, uh, considering the situation that I was in with school, I didn't want to take the time off and then obviously push back graduation and, and some of the other things that I was involved in at the time. So that's kind of where we left off. Um, I did talk about college a little bit, uh, obviously fraternity life, but I didn't really dive into anything that happened, um, like yeah. year over year, obviously. So real uh, quick though, I want to cut you off. Sorry about the FEMA stuff um just a question that popped in my head with that would you be like in the current state that we're in here in Ohio with all the like Rona stuff would you actually have been like called upon to start issuing tests for people uh probably not test but um or like helping hospitals and stuff like that yeah so actually my little brothers both my little brothers uh one is in the air national guard one is in the army national guard they both got deployed for the covid response through uh the mayor or not the mayor the the governor um so i would have probably most definitely been involved in that as well um the the biggest thing i think um and not to bring anything like political or you know whatever but right um the biggest gripe, I guess, the biggest complaint that I have is, you know, these private entities, the private healthcare sector, um, were forcing the mandates uh, to get vaccinated for a lot of their personnel, nurses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and a lot of them quit and left because of that reason. And, yeah. um, you know, getting secondhand knowledge, what I've been hearing is, that it's not a bed issue as it was previously with, you know, the Delta variant, um, which I know we're on to like the Omicron variant, which is spreading much more quickly, whatever. But um, it's more of a staffing issue. So they pulled, you know, however many people um, and then obviously additional forces after the initial request uh, to support these hospitals. But the the biggest thing that I'm seeing is, um, at least, like I said, through secondhand knowledge, is they just don't have the personnel. So yeah. little brothers are doing, you know, like patient movement, things like that, um, logistic-wise, uh, cooking, things, things of that nature that are, you know, supporting the hospitals at some capacity, but they're not really like, they're not like STNAs or they're not RNs. Right. You know, it's it's kind of a weird situation to be in for them because obviously they they don't have medical training, so they can't necessarily help patients. The only thing they can do is just kind of be like the the support for the hospital. Uh, but it's it's been kind of difficult on the family, obviously, because like you're you're putting people into a situation where they could potentially you know obviously get covid whatever yeah whatever variant doesn't matter but um you're you're potentially putting them into that situation where they could bring them back to their families 
Um, <clears throat> I know that my one brother is up in Steubenville right now, uh, so he's not like visiting home or anything. But the the other sibling is actually living with me, so you know there's there's greater risk, I guess. Right. So you always have to be careful um, being put into those positions. Um, but the only thing I can really say about the situation is like, I'm glad that we're able to assist, but also it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, well, if you didn't have these mandates, then. Yeah. There's a whole like twist and turn that you could like really dive into on it. Absolutely. Yeah. And, 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 you know, I, like I said, I don't want to bring any political views into this. Um, cause I, I try to stay away from it. Um, I'm not really one side or the other. I just, yeah, I have my opinions, but it's also like, you know, this isn't my platform to, to push that out. And I don't really have any desire to do that. And I don't really make it public to be quite yeah. honest. You know, I appreciate I, it. Absolutely. I try absolutely. to, I try to keep politics out of this. Like we kind of scratch things of just like, views that people have but it doesn't get any sort of political at all so yeah appreciate it and i i wouldn't want to put you into a situation where it's like oh well this guy's definitely this side or oh he's this side i don't want to listen to that no right that's not it for me because it really doesn't matter um but you know honestly you know like i said we all have opinions um mine is just gonna stay to myself just because you know i don't want to i don't want to bring any rift or any uh divide to to the podcast yeah we've um, seen where it can bring a lot of a lot of noise other places with other podcasts and yeah. i'd prefer to avoid that if i could oh absolutely this is absolutely. just about people and how you have lived your life rather than how you view politics absolutely and i've you know i've never really been involved in it um since the day that I could vote, to be quite honest, um, I didn't even vote until well after my 21st birthday. So that is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, to get past that, um, you know, honestly, uh, I, I'm proud of them. I'm proud of what they're able to do, at least to help, you know, people in the community and things like that. Um, and that's kind of all that I'll have to say all that I have to say, I guess I should say, um, about the situation, but to, uh, to kind of further along, um, you know, honestly, the guard for me was kind of a stepping stone and there's a lot of people that, you know, have their own opinions. Oh, you should stay till you retire. You know, you could retire at an early age, blah, 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 blah. But they also don't see the the other side of it where it affects, you know, home life. It affects, you know, potential career movement, you know, upward mobility, things like that. So I try to stay away from, you know, staying in too long, staying overstaying my welcome, I guess. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> that's really kind of it for touching back on episode one. I just want to make sure that I talked about a little bit of it. Uh, but to move forward, um, we did talk about how up until I think about graduation and one of my proudest moments, uh, was having the ability to have my grandparents at my graduation. And I know that I didn't really talk, talk about them too much in episode one, but I will say that, uh, my grandparents were 
a huge part in my life. Um, they were kind of a second set of parents for me. And in the fact that, uh, you know, my mom had me at a young age, and I know that I brought that up uh, in the first episode, but they were more of a mom and dad than a grandparent. Um, because, you know, in the first couple years that I, uh, you know, grew up, the first couple years after I was born, I, I lived with them. So having the experience being so close to my grandparents um, and always being close to them, even even up until this, you know, this point in my life, um, it was a it was a unique experience. And I know a lot of people don't have that experience. Um, there may be a few select that, that listen, but um, there was a point in my life that, you know, if if I didn't feel comfortable talking to you know my mom for instance um i was able to talk to my grandparents about things and kind of get their opinions and their ideas on you know moving forward with my life so um for me it was it was kind of like a um a point in my life where I didn't really know what I wanted to do for the future. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, but I knew that I wanted to do something in law enforcement. So that's when I had the conversation of, you know, hey, you know, I'm kind of looking at, you know, Tiffany University for their Homeland Security program. Um, I think it'd be a great stepping stone into law enforcement um, that could potentially, like, you know, work its way forward uh, to maybe something federal, uh, maybe like the FBI or CIA or something like that. Um, so it was always good to have them, you know, on my side. And then obviously, like, being the older generation, they kind of had the, um, you know, the, the life experience and the knowledge that, you know, having a mother at such a young age didn't really have. I mean, she was still trying to figure it out while I was, you know, growing up. So I think that was like one of the coolest things in the world for me. Um, it's such a unique experience. And, and to the people that actually have that, you know, ability and to have that relationship with their grandparents, I think you should really honestly cherish it uh, because obviously time is limited, right? So I didn't know how, 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 uh, how far... I could actually like think that time was limited. So like I always like took time for granted, I guess. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, like I kind of wished away my early years. Like I wanted to grow up. I wanted to be a, you know, an adult. I wanted to go through school as quick as possible. I wanted to get, you know, I wanted to get my career started. Um, in doing that, I realized that I was wishing away, you know, time that I could be cherishing with family. And here recently, uh, just in the last year, uh, you know, I lost uh, someone very important in my life, my, my grandmother. Um, and it's it's something that I, I kind of look back on now and wish that you know I would have spent more time and I think we've all kind of been put in a situation where we wish we would have spent some more time with the people that we love um but I know that you know like I said 
earlier, you know, I had the unique experience of growing up in their household and, and, and having that relationship. Uh, it kind of, you know, it makes me happy to look back on and, and realize that, you know, yes, there were moments in my life that I didn't necessarily spend as much time as I could with them, but, uh, there was also, you know, several years where I was growing up that I got to spend with them, whereas, you know, other family members didn't, you know, cousins, aunts, uncles, whatever. Uh, so, you know, I always cherish that stuff. Um, always cherish the things that, you know, I got for like Christmas from her, things like that. Um, I still have a blanket that she made me one year for Christmas and, um, you know, it makes me really happy to, to see it. And obviously, you know, take care of that stuff. But, um, this kind of goes, uh, it's kind of related into to, to episode one where I, I spoke about my aunt passing away at a, you know, at an early age, um, you know, being 25 years old and, and losing a grandparent and, and even actually younger, uh, on my dad's side, uh, I lost his father, uh, a couple years ago and it was obviously before my grandmother, but, um, you know, losing grandparents is, is, is difficult. And I know there's a lot of folks out there, especially our age that have, have potentially lost one or both grandparents at this point, um, in their life in their adult life. And, you know, it's, it's difficult and it's not something that, uh, I've openly talked about to friends or, you know, other family members. And, you know, it was, it was a difficult time in my life. And obviously, um, it never gets easier, but it, it becomes a, it becomes familiar and you kind of, you kind of just, you know, live with it. Right. Um, but it's also one of those things where for me, at least I still hold very close to my heart. And I do spend a lot of time thinking about, you know, my relationship with my grandfather, obviously, uh, the one that's living, uh, on my mom, on my mom's side, um, and I try to visit as much as possible. It's a little difficult just because uh, for the last year I was on night shift, but uh, now that I've changed shifts, you know I, I, I'm pretty optimistic about going down and visiting. Uh, you know during the regular normal day hours uh, that I didn't have, and obviously it makes it easier that he's retired and you know he's not. You know, he's not working, so I don't have to work around his schedule. It's just finding the time within my schedule to, to go down and visit now. Um, and, you know, I'm always afraid to neglect family. I, don't, I never want to have uh, the regrets. And I know I talked about it in, in the first episode. You know, I don't have any regrets. Uh, there's definitely lessons learned, whether they're hard or they're good or bad. Um, but that's, that's a part of growing up. That's a part of life. And that's something that I hold very close is, is family and, um, you know, the ability to just go down and see them whenever I want. Um, I didn't really have that opportunity in school because I was, you know, four hours away. So, you know, I had to make special trips, you know, go down on the weekends and things like that. But now that I live, you know, half that distance, uh, I can basically just go down whenever I want. And, you know, granted, you know, it's whatever. It's four hours for round trip. So it does kind of suck, you know, but, but that's definitely something that, you know, I've 
kind of learn to grow or not not learn to grow with but really learn to uh just kind of suck it up and you know take the take the hit you know yeah it sucks driving four hours but it you know what what's more important is visiting visiting those family members um so to kind of move forward from that uh i wanted to talk about um the uh, early years after college, but I, I know there's definitely some stories that I want to talk about in college. Um, and, and not to name drop anybody. And I don't, I don't want anyone to think that this is, you know, disrespectful, (laughs) (laughs) but I know that, uh, when, when, uh, I was a junior slash senior in college, um, there was a night during pledging, there was some individuals involved. Uh, there was Capri Suns or something like that. And I know that it was like two in the morning and I, I may or may not have drank a little bit. I was a little intoxicated. So I had somebody drive me to Denny's, um, had some phenomenal Denny's breakfast. Denny's is so good. But I remember coming home and, and, and one individual was just telling me about how they had this Capri Sun. And, you know, honestly, I was kind of upset. I was kind of upset. I didn't get a Capri Sun. Like you didn't think about me when you were, you know, doing whatever you were doing and you got that free (laughs) Capri Sun. Like, come on, man. Like you got to help a brother out. That's all I'm saying, (laughs) man. That's all I'm saying. Little, uh, your mouth might be a little dry from drinking and all that Denny's. Yeah, like, man. I, you just know, to, you just wanted to top it off with a Capri Sun. A little phlegm stuck in my throat. I just yeah. needed a Capri Sun to wash it out, you know. <laughs> and yeah, I just you know that individual just didn't even think about us. He he should have got the whole six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Do they come in six packs? I'm like ninety nine percent sure you have to buy them in six packs. I don't think they come in anything smaller. Do they come bigger. Can you get like 24 packs? I don't know. I feel like you could at like Costco or something. Maybe. I don't have they a Costco. They should have went to Costco for us. Well, you know, we were up in Tiffin. Yeah, just a Kroger. <laughs> so like, I get it. Whatever. But yeah, so like th- there were a lot of good times in college. And I, I definitely wanted to come back and kind of touch on the, the funner things of college. Uh, there was one point where... A couple of us went out to the to the local bar, and on the way back, we lost one of the brothers. Oh no! And 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 luckily, uh, I still have videos of this, and, and I'm pretty sure they're on my Snapchat save stories. But uh, there was there was two other individuals in this video with me, and you know we name dropped. We were like, we lost so and so. We lost so and so. Where where is he? And it was kind of a running joke. Um, until we, we went back to look for him and sure enough, there he was on the corner of freaking main street with <laughs> Tiffin PD oh, no. pulled over on the side of the road. And oh, I'm like, God. Oh my God. Like, no, this isn't happening. We no, no. So I remember walking up to the officer and I'm like, Hey, how you doing? You know, this is our buddy. So, and so. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to get him home. We lost him. Um, he left before we did at the bar and, and luckily the, the cop was super cool and, and let him take us home. Uh, let him 
walk home with us, I should say, because yeah. at that point, I'm pretty sure he was being detained for public intoxication. Oh, man. Um, But to further that story, uh, you know, honestly, I also have a video of Cameron helping this guy, uh, fraternity brother, of course, not, not a random, but helping this guy get undressed because he was so fucked up, he couldn't even stand up straight. Not that I wanted to see him undressed. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> we were just trying to help him out. Like It's he just was, he couldn't stand up. No, no. And it wasn't fully naked, obviously. Like, he still had clothes on, but, like, you have to take the belt off the guy because <laughs> he couldn't even freaking stand up straight. So, like. This kind of friend I am. You know, I will help you out. Cameron's a great guy for that. And I, and I wanted to throw a little bit of, the you know, the funner stories in because, you know, honestly, like. Uh, the beginning episode one was it was pretty serious. It was kind of like getting yeah. to know me. If you didn't ever know me, yeah, try to loosen it up this episode. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and we had a lot of fun. And you know, I look back, and some people may not think it's fun, but like I remember in particular times where I drank an entire bottle of Kinky. Uh, I don't even know what kind of liquor it is, but you can buy it Disgusting. at Walmart. It was horrid. It's like what, like twelve bucks or something? Thirty-five for full proof. I think is what the bottle is. Oh. <laughs> so it's probably like 20 bucks maybe at yeah. Walmart. Um, I drank the entire bottle and I had one of the sorority sisters giving me like, uh, I think it's called kinky. It, it's like super sugary. It's kind of like Smirnoff. <laughs> and so like I drink, I drink all this sugar. It was awful and like killed the entire bottle. But, uh, you know, honestly, like 30 minutes after that, I threw up the entire bottle. Oof. Like, hopefully that was outside the house. <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was. So, um, it was one of those like realization moments for me. It was like, Oh man, like I don't feel so good. And I have a very strong tell when I get hot is when I throw up. Oh yeah. Um, when I drink, of course, like if I get hot, like normally, like, I'm fine. Whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah, oh. you're sober. But uh, when I when I get hot drinking, that's that's it. Like it's over. There's no coming back. I, I've seen this play out multiple times. <laughs> I know when you say I'm hot, we have maybe uh, seven to ten minutes before disaster strikes. <laughs> uh, maybe three. <laughs> it, it really depends. Like, Who, it just, who's the sober one? Mm. <laughs> not you. Ah, not me. You're not wrong, but like I've been there. I know. Yeah. Sometimes it's three minutes and it <laughs> evacuates. Like there's no stopping it. But uh, in that in particular instance, like I remember walking outside, and this is dead of winter in northern Ohio, so it's probably 20 degrees or colder. Oh, and it's super windy because it's super, just flat. Super windy. So, like, I'm out there in probably a short sleeve t-shirt and jeans. Because you were that guy. I was that guy. And probably my moccasins. I had somehow slipper moccasins. <laughs> they were phenomenal. Have no idea where they went. I'm super upset about that, by the way. Um, lost those in probably, like, three or four divorces ago. But <laughs> whatever. Like, it's fine. You've never been married, though. Let's just point that out. Well, it's just a joke. You, you know, <laughs> To be married, just not with a ring. I mean, <laughs> two two very long term relationships before this episode was shot. So like, might as well. I was basically married. Like, just throw it out there. Yeah, 
you know so like i probably lost him in one of the divorces whatever but um <laughs> uh i remember walking outside in my freaking house shoes and one of the alumni one of the older guys actually rob uh rob's dad gave us uh like this huge like wire spool that like electric companies use as a table <laughs> yeah uh, like, it was so weird it. It was like, whatever, it's super random. Like we were like, fine, we'll take it. You know, it was cool. And I remember leaning up against it and just launching an entire bottle of freaking gross, cheap liquor out. And it was the worst experience. Like, I think there's a video out there somewhere where I say that's the worst thing I've ever tasted twice. <laughs> there is. <laughs> Um, and of course, like I was being dead serious, but I was laughing and like, <laughs> I'll never forget. Like I had probably six people around me like, Oh my God, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? Stemming from like fraternity brothers to like sorority sisters. And, um, you know, I'll never forget the, the three people that stood by my side, um, while I was sick. Um, and, and obviously they, they helped me back into the house afterwards. Um, and made sure that, you know, I wasn't going to die or anything crazy, but, um, you know, I, I'm really thankful for those individuals and, and they know who they are. And I, you know, I hope they listen to this portion of the podcast because I, I can't thank them enough because like, honestly, I could have fucking died at so many times. <laughs> We're not going to talk about it. it. College binge drinking is not okay. Do not binge drink. Yeah, that that's the lesson here. That like all these stories are fun to tell, but like if you're binge drinking and like vomiting your brains out, that's no. It's, it's a no not from a good me, time. dog. It's a no from me. Yeah. There's plenty of drunk stories to be shared on this podcast, but yeah, we're not alcoholics and everyone loves a good time, but yeah, be safe, stay safe, don't drive. For the love of God and all that is holy, don't <laughs> drive. Listen, take a word of advice from people that have been in those situations. Yeah. Uh, it's actually one of the most terrifying things in your entire life. And and we actually um, have lost friends through drunk driving, uh, impaired driving, whether it was them being impaired or other people being impaired and, yeah. and, and hitting them. So it, it is on a serious note, like, it's all fun and games until it actually affects you or your friend group. So um, on a serious note, please don't drink and drive. There's so many options out there now. Ubers. I mean, honestly, we walked most of the time. Uber, Lyft, walk, call a friend, call your mom, call your dad. Call the cops, dude. Literally, like, call the non-emergency line and be like, hey, I'm intoxicated. Can somebody give me a ride home? And as long as you're not, like, public disturbance drunk, like – there's been situations where cops have taken people home yeah, because they don't want them to drive or they don't want them to be, you know, out walking around on the street and shit. Yeah. Um, it's, it's like probably the last resort that yeah, you think absolutely. of. Like, I don't know. It's I would call the cops and be like, Hey, I'm really <laughs> fucked up. Like, can you take me home? But I've seen it happen. So like, yeah, I, I've also seen guys get arrested at bars for, the same shit but it, you know it, it's all demeanor it's all how you you know act and, and portray yourself once you know the, the cops get there we, listen nobody wants to deal with the cops like I get it but like honestly 
last case scenario, especially like in the time and days that we're in now, um, you know, for, for, for even women, like if you don't feel comfortable walking home by yourself from the bar, please, please call somebody. Um, and, and, you know, I've been put in situations where I've gotten that phone call at 4am, like, Hey, can you come pick me up? And I've been there, um, as a friend to go pick somebody up that, you know, didn't feel comfortable walking home from wherever they were. Yep. Um, I've done the same thing. Like just friends that are belligerently wasted and they're like, I guess I was the first person they decided to call. And you know what? I got my ass out of bed and I was not happy about it. But you know what? It's better than getting a phone call and saying that they're not around anymore. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like. (laughs) I got the yawns, Cameron. I'm so sorry for interrupting (laughs) you. But uh, no. Yeah. So uh, to kind of talk about that point, um, especially a Tiffin like. I was put in a situation where nobody in the house, like, so I took, I took somebody home and nobody in the, in the house was awake and they didn't have their key. Like I was beating on the windows. Like I was outside, you know, trying to get someone to wake up and, you know, as much as it sucked, you know, three in the morning, you know, I did it. I was there. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. It was not fun, but it's not. I would rather somebody get home safe then to like you said get that phone call like yeah i'll sacrifice you know an hour of sleep like if it means that i get to see you tomorrow absolutely and you know i'll cancel class i'll call the professor and be like hey i'm canceling class for today like (laughs) (laughs) that that never worked i tried it professor class is canceled tell everyone they don't need to show up I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm not coming in today, so you'll have to postpone till next week. <laughs> but, um, you know, honestly, um, to kind of close out that point, you know, yes, I, I participated in binge drinking quite often. And I know a couple other fraternity brothers did as well. Um, so I will never, I'll never be an advocate for it. Uh, it's literally the worst thing that you can do because you know, when you binge drink, there's there's a lot of potential possibilities that you could, you know, obviously hurt yourself, hurt others. But, yeah. you know, the, the worst case situation is you end up passing away, or, you know, from from over intoxication. And right. we always see the horror stories like that's what's glorified with fraternity and sorority life is like, oh, you know, s- this pledge or this fraternity or sorority sister died at this college because they drank you know, an excessive amount of alcohol or hazing or whatever. Um, and, and to be clear, you know, we never engage in that kind of stuff. Like we made decisions as an adult. Um, we never forced it on anybody. And that was something that I definitely wanted to highlight because like, yeah, I can joke about it. I can joke about, you know, all the times that I throw up around the house or like just doing dumb shit, like even on vacations and things like that. But, um, to kind of focus in on it, like, we we wouldn't do that we weren't that kind of you know fraternity we weren't that kind of you know fraternity to our sisters our you know sister sorority um we always wanted to be supportive and and make sure everybody made it home safe made sure that you know like hey like yeah we we know that this guy's sick he's you know he drank too much like it happens we want to make sure that you know he's got everything that he needs you know bottle of water he's got a bucket make sure he's sleeping on the side you know 
all of the normal safety procedures that you would do for you know somebody that's intoxicated because you don't want you don't want to be the next headline on you know the news like oh Tiffany University had to ban this fraternity because right you know somebody passed away from the fraternity or they had a guest over so you know fortunately for us we never had that experience um, we were always very close we always made sure that everybody was taken care of um, and like I said you know I specifically called out three individuals that made sure the one night that I passed out on the kitchen floor uh, they, you know one of them slept beside me the other slept on the couch in the living room uh, just to make sure that you know I was okay whoever slept beside you is a very nice person champ absolutely <laughs> they're champ. a champion and there's no way I could do that I'd yeah, be on the couch I'm sorry absolutely absolutely <laughs> and you know honestly um, when I woke up in the morning they were obviously gone but you know they were there they they fell asleep they woke up you know made sure that I was good clearly and and then you know ended up leaving but um, that individual definitely holds a, a special special little uh, little memory in my mind and, and a place in my heart as well. Uh, and, and I'm super thankful for, for them. And, and like I said, they knew who they are. I don't want to name drop anybody just because, you know, uh, potential careers and things like that could be ruined just based on these stories. And you never know who's listening. So. Right. I don't uh, want to ruin anyone's life. Yeah, I just absolutely. want to tell fun stories. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and to kind of, uh, to kind of like sidetrack on this as well, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget, uh, we had a guy who ended up pledging and, and, and going through, uh, going through pledging. Um, I remember one night it was just him and I, and, uh, he was drinking Jack Daniels and, uh, he, uh, he obviously got sick. And uh, I remember telling him, hey, get them demons out of you, boy. <laughs> and uh, it's a really, really good video that I may or may not have. Um, got a lot of photographic evidence. Got a lot of <laughs> photographic evidence. It's probably not good. Like, basically thermite my phone if I ever pass away. <laughs> because, like, you know, there's, you know, I don't want anyone to lose their job or anything crazy, but... Uh, they were just memories for me, but I, I'll never forget like leaning up against the garage behind the house and just, just letting it go. Just absolutely letting it go. And I'm like, get them demons out of your boy. <laughs> <laughs> just talking all sorts of crazy. And, uh, you know, and that's what we did. And we, we had a lot of fun. We, you know, enjoyed each other's company. Yes. Drinking was a part of it. Like I said, um, you know, like you said, even, you know, binge drinking is a horrible decision. Don't do it. We did it. Learn from our mistakes. You know, a lot of horrible hangovers. Luckily, like nobody was injured. Nobody, you know, went through anything like that. But, um, you know, just the, the hangovers aren't even worth it. No. But and uh, I, I just want to throw this out there real quick. I've, I've told a few close friends, but um, I honestly hate like the feeling of any form of intoxication anymore i'll hang out with you but i'm not gonna i'm not gonna get drunk i'm not gonna get intoxicated peer pressure is nope. a bitch nope hey cam let's go take <laughs> shots right now absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> anyway keep going but uh yeah so uh it, it's funny that you brought that up so like uh, 
I can agree with you uh, to a point. Like, I don't really like getting, like, drunk drunk anymore. Certain situations, yes. Like... Celebration, some something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Like, uh, for instance, uh, back in May of 2021... Nope. Uh, <laughs> 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 nope. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> Cam and I and uh, and another buddy. Um, like I said, I'm not dropping names besides you know Cameron and I. But uh, Cameron and I and another buddy went to uh, Las Vegas and had a wonderful time, <laughs> an absolute wonderful time. And uh, you know some of that experience was uh, drinking uh, Dom Perignon P2 for the first time. And 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 I'm I've never been like a big champagne guy. Uh, so experiencing that for the first time, I was kind of like weary about it, but as soon as I tried it, I loved it. It was super good. Um, so of course, you know, what do we do? We're in Vegas. We kill the entire bottle between three of us. No big deal. Right. Just a bottle of champagne. I mean, I wanted the bottle. Yeah. I mean, like I had two or three glasses. <laughs> yeah. I wanted the bottle and I enjoyed drinking rare things that you know you're not gonna find on the shelf and i'm like you know what eh, when in rome or vegas i guess well yeah so, i mean we were in the it. caesar's palace so it's close basically, enough right <laughs> <laughs> it's close enough <laughs> so um you know so i'm i'm you know two glasses deep and and dom p2 oh you're not going through this full story are you no 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 no, no. okay um and then, of course, I special ordered a bottle of Grey Goose to drink on top of that. And uh, eventually, I guess we made it to the casino for like five minutes. And then I made it to the front door on the steps like I was going to vomit everywhere. <laughs> and then Cameron escorted me back to the hotel room where I basically like laid my head where the feet would normally go and my feet where my head would normally go. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like, like you said, when in Rome or Las Vegas, Caesar's palace, <laughs> you definitely learn the hard way sometimes. Yeah. And speaking of learning, it was kind of fun learning before that we're talking about this right now that you didn't remember this. Oh yeah. I had to tell you. So like we took a little intermission. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't remember the story at all. Uh, what I remember is drinking Dompy 2, drinking straight out of the bottle of the Grey Goose, and then putting my pajamas on and going to bed. That's what I remember. Apparently, I and I even have video evidence <laughs> <laughs> after the fact of me drinking out of the bottle of Grey Goose that we left the room. No clue. Had no idea we ever left the room. We are only gone for like 10 minutes, and I definitely was like the mom of the group. <laughs> well, you know, the third person was, uh, he was reckless, and, you know. We'll you, just leave it at that. You had to reel him in a couple times. Yeah. Me, I was just so fucked up that I literally was just like, <laughs> I want to go to sleep now. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, all right, whatever. But, um, you know. And and that was something that I really enjoyed too. Is like, uh, we were supposed to go to Las Vegas for uh, a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours, um, a friend that I actually met through Cameron for his bachelor party. Uh, but COVID kind of 
you know, messed everything up. And then he ended up getting married and then found out that his wife and him were pregnant. So it, it kind of really shot down the whole bachelor party thing. So we were like, Oh, we're going to go out there in memory of, you know, buddy <laughs> X. And, uh, yeah, we, we definitely celebrated for him. Yeah, we did. And, uh, we FaceTimed him once while we were there. And oh, it was twice. Twice? Yeah, it was twice. Yeah, he was at work the second time. Yeah, yeah. That's right. And he was on the phone for like 30 seconds. Um, but yeah, we, we FaceTimed twice. And uh, yeah, that was that was about it. <laughs> and we told him the first time. So I think it was like the first day that we got there. We FaceTimed him like the room and we showed him kind of like around the room and stuff like that. Yeah. Like, oh, you're missing out, whatever, whatever. Um, But I think... I'm trying to remember. I think the second time we faced him, we were out at the pool. I don't remember where we were at. I mean, it was so quick. It was, uh, there was so much else going on. You know, <laughs> of course, of course, being the friends that we were, w- knowing that he was at work, we're like, hey, look at this. <laughs> and of course, it's like Las Vegas. So like everybody's in like thong bikinis and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure he probably had HR called on him. <laughs> Oh my god. That was not my phone. It was probably it was, mine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. I uh hopefully hopefully your wife doesn't listen to this podcast. I know that he listens to it. Oh, well good. I and, and I know you know who, you know, we're talking about you. Yeah. He knows we're talking about him. <laughs> but uh, you know, hopefully hopefully she doesn't listen cuz I don't want you to get in trouble. Um <laughs> Just just forget that I ever said what I just said. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, like, getting those life experiences after college were, like, super important to me because, like, it's one thing going on vacation. Like, if you ever had a tradition with going with family, like, it's cool going with family and all. Like, you're making those memories, you know. Of course, you have the mandatory family photos and stuff while you're at the beach or, like, wherever you go on vacation. Um, but it's super, super important to go out with your friends as well. So, like, I would have never expected going to college and meeting somebody for the first time in college and then creating, like, a friendship uh, like you and I have, Cameron, to last, you know, longer than people that I went through freaking school with for 12 years. You know, all the way through from, like, first grade to to graduating high school with them. It's crazy. Uh, yeah, it absolutely is crazy. And and I know that we kind of talked about it in the first episode too, but um, it was never something that I would have thought like I have plenty of relationships with people that I was friends with in college that just kind of stopped after college. We just, you know, we, we just didn't connect afterwards. But like there's also a handful of individuals that still I talk to this to this day. And, you know, it's been, what, four or five years since I've graduated. And then yeah. even longer for yourself and, and some of the other individuals even. Um, so it's, like, super unique to kind of get that experience. And, and, you know, just it's a – I guess it's a part of life. I Like, super corny, but I guess that's what it is, right? I mean, yeah. Uh, through your perspective, I'm curious to hear like how y- what you think about it, honestly. About like the whole friendship type yeah. of thing like, with like w- high school versus college. Yeah, like w- would you ever expect that? Would you have ever expected that? No, I absolutely wouldn't. Um, and it's 
kind of crazy like thinking about it as you're talking about it that like I have I think four to five friends that I communicate regularly with regularly with like as in you know maybe every month or two maybe every quarter um from high school but like all the friends I made in college I'm talking to them like weekly I mean look at look at the guests that I've had so far you know the fraternity showing up showing some love showing support did I expect that no I didn't <laughs> it's I crazy mean, I would have because uh, be like hey y'all fuckheads <laughs> come do this podcast real quick for me I need like 20 episodes <laughs> but you know but yeah I mean absolutely I, I I don't even have that many people that I communicate that I graduated high school with um I've got one and like I said you know I mentioned him in in the first episode uh Ben Ben Ben's been the guy since i don't know fifth or sixth grade when he first moved to to the school yeah so it's it's funny hearing that you say you know you have a handful of friends that you talk to you know at the latest like on a quarterly basis whereas like i have one i talk to more people that i graduated you know from college with and and you know just being involved in the fraternity itself uh talk to more of those guys than i do anyone else yeah like my social life literally is a handful of people mm-hmm. outside of work. Um, you know, I obviously have really good work relationships as well. So like I can talk about life and I can talk about, you know, whatever at work with, with coworkers um, and peers and things of you know, that nature. But um, when it comes to, you know, personal stuff, I don't have, um, I guess anyone to kind of like rely on to like vent to or to like tell them exciting things besides the dudes that I went to college with. Yeah. Um, and, and really only, uh, the only one that kind of hears everything that's going on in my life is you, uh, besides obviously like, like I said, Ben, um, but, uh, you know, obviously connecting with, uh, the other individuals there's there's definitely highlights like we definitely talk about highlights with each other um and and you know always trying to keep track of what everyone else is doing um plus doing whatever i want to do work uh you know my hobbies the things that i like to do outside of you know all of that um it, it's kind of like a juggling act and sometimes i think i'm a clown uh, without the face paint and the red nose, but it's adulting, man. Yeah, absolutely. And You're just describing adulting, really. Well, yes and no. So, like, I'm sure there's adults out there that don't even have to like think about balancing things, and they have like a very good flow. I'm jealous of that. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I've only ever heard complaints about being becoming an adult, and you know, to be quite honest, they were they were always right. So yeah. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's weird to think about like, and I was having this conversation with my mom earlier today, actually, is like, I remember being like 15, 16, 17 years old and kind of like wishing life away. Like, oh, I want to be an adult. Like I want to start my career. And then like, I look back now and I think like, holy shit, like I'm 26 years old. 
I'm turning 27 this year. I'm three years away from becoming 30. And like, it super blows my mind because like 30 to me, at least I thought a couple of years ago was like old. And now I'm almost 30 and I'm like, holy shit. Like <laughs> midlife crisis almost. Yeah. And you know, obviously Cameron, you're a couple years older than me. Um, I think it's like a year and a half or whatever, but yeah, it's not, it's not much. Oh, uh, it's like, Oh shit. Like, damn bro like we about to be 30 like yeah i i don't know how to feel about that like is this the point in life where i need to like go to the doctor and get like prostate exams and like (laughs) put on testosterone booster (laughs) and like like what the fuck like i don't what do i do (laughs) oh like it's so weird listening to people that are our age talking about like when they're gonna be 30 but it's also weird and interesting talking to people who are like 40s and 50s and like 30 ain't shit <laughs> like all i know is about 30 is my back's gonna hurt even more than it already does i got back issues from the <laughs> military like let alone getting old like, yeah God, shit bro i'm gonna be crippled by the time i'm 40 <laughs> you'll see me in a walker mind your own business bro <laughs> like i have no idea how to like i don't know how to i don't know how to feel it is terrifying. It is literally terrifying. And I know that, you know, for myself in particular, I've kind of had those like exes, exa, oh my God. Existential crises. Yes. I've <laughs> had those, bro. Like I've been in like deep thought where I'm like, oh my God, like what am I doing with my life? Mm-hmm. What do I want to do with my life? What's the meaning of life? Like, can somebody explain that to me? Because I have no idea. <laughs> like, don't ever watch Neil uh, Tyson because, like, his some of his interviews are like, all right, what happens? Are you ready to die? Like, what happens when there's nothing afterwards? And you're like, oh, my God. Like, I don't <laughs> want there to be nothing afterwards because the human mind can't process that kind of stuff. Right. Um. So, yeah, like... Uh, having those crises it's like yeah sure like you know i i won't i don't know how long i'll live like i don't know how long my life will be you know obviously i want it to be you know well into my 50s 60s 70s 80s or whatever uh i want to live long enough to where i can be comfortable and i don't suffer if that makes sense so like i don't want to be like 90 years old and be like i hate my life i want to die yeah. every day because you know my body hurts or whatever but i want to live long enough to where you know i'm at least comfortable um and obviously i don't want to miss out on anything of course but it, it's just like crazy to think like oh my god like i'm getting another year closer another year closer like life expectancy is 80 years right for my family so like 80 yeah. is generally on the longer side so it's like think about it you're not even halfway oh my god i'm so close to halfway though but you're not i'm so close you're like almost a little over 13 years yeah i mean okay so consider this right (laughs) i'm closer to halfway than i am not at this point in my life yeah so on on 
the on the shorter side of things it's like more of a concern than like i obviously can't there's no time machines i can't go backwards so it's like oh man like okay times can time can kind of slow down like i, I kind of want to enjoy this moment in my life yeah um and like obviously like looking back on the 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 short-term past it's like holy shit like was it really five years ago that i was in college because it seems like it was yesterday like i've been in uh i've been with amazon for just shy of three years now it's like two years and seven months uh may of this coming or well may of this year uh, i forget that we're 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 doing this after the the you know the first of the year so yeah uh, may of this year is my three-year mark with with amazon and it's crazy to think that i've already been with amazon for three years because it doesn't it doesn't feel like that so uh <laughs> to to kind of further along you know the journey of my life um, getting past like college getting past the military getting past you know some of my family life um something that i didn't talk about uh is is my is my venture with tattoos um when i was 16 i got my first tattoo it was in memory of my aunt who was killed on a motorcycle back in 2003 uh, so i have a, a cross with her actual signature in the banner uh, on my back so that kind of started everything and Tattoos are an addiction. They are an absolute addiction. And I have an addictive personality, so way worse for me. Uh, I made it about a year before I got my next tattoo, just because I was so young. So, like, I still obviously needed my, my mom's consent. She had to sign off on the forms. And then, like, money, obviously. Not, you know, being a kid, I didn't really have money. Um, so... It stemmed from that first tattoo to the second tattoo and then the third session and then the fourth session. And now I have a full sleeve on the right side from chest all the way down to wrist. Um, in February, I actually just scheduled another sleeve on my, my left arm. Uh, we're going to be doing some American traditional on the left arm. On the right arm, I have Polynesian and Maori. Uh, island culture tattoos that kind of tell the story of my life uh, each piece obviously has a meaning to, m to me in my life um, what are they so uh, I guess to kind of start on the chest I have uh, I have a hammerhead shark so we'll do the like the stand the, the pieces that stand out so like yeah. there's a lot of small symbolization uh, symbolization uh, within the bigger pieces but uh, we'll just stick to the big pieces. But uh, there's a hammerhead shark um, on my chest, and that kind of in in the culture was kind of like the the warrior. So like when you think of a shark, you think of like a dominant species. They're basically the apex predator. They're the hunters. They're the providers for you know their their kids, things like that. So I, being the oldest of my immediate family, I was like the apex predator. I was the one that tried to help provide for, you know, my younger siblings, things like that. So that was kind of that piece. And then, um, 
to kind of stem off of that, I've got uh, a piece on my shoulder, on the crown of my shoulder, um, that symbolizes the sun. The sun the same way. It's basically the provider of all life with on Earth, obviously, when you think about it, like scientifically, photosynthesis, blah, 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 blah. Like, you get the point, right? Right. <clears throat> so moving down from there... Uh, I have a tiki below the sun and tikis in that culture are supposed to basically ward off evil spirits. Um, and, and to be quite honest, my aunt's one of her favorite things that she got from Hawaii was a tiki. It was like the wood tiki masks that were handcrafted. Um, you know, it's, and it's sort of kind of like a ritual thing. Uh, like, okay, like that's, ward off evil spirits like that that explains itself right you don't really have to go into detail about that um but something that i kind of hold near and dear to my heart is i had a fraternity brother uh ethan who i asked him he was very artistic um and in college i asked him to hand draw me um you know a culture appropriate turtle from Polynesian slash Maori, kind of like blend it together, find the two, st the, the two styles, and 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 do a hand drawn picture. Um, and he didn't know at the time, but I had planned on getting it tattooed on me. Uh, well, sure enough, he handed me over. Uh, it was like a twelve by fourteen inch um, drafting paper uh, with this hand drawn turtle and like his he had a little note on the top and then he signed it at the bottom and sure enough i took that to the tattoo artist and had them put it on a sketch put that sketch on my arm and then tattooed it on me um and i really appreciate what you did for me uh, i can never thank you enough ethan uh, so again thanks um, but that stemmed into getting two more uh, slightly different variations, but still holding like the same original drawing um, to kind of symbolize siblings. So uh, in that culture, typically they swim towards the heart. Um, and typically there's like a face within one of the shells. And that's basically the, the family is carrying, you know, that spirit into the afterlife. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's, it's usually in memory of somebody passing away. Uh, but me being the oldest, I did the, I did the opposite. I, I have it swimming towards the end of my hand and, you know, into my fingers because it's basically like, um, coming from life. So me being the oldest, me being the provider, the protector, you know, making sure that I've always, you know, keep them under my wing. Um, that was kind of my idealization of how I wanted to contribute to um, showing like my my siblings. Uh, so I still have one turtle left to go to finish that out, and then I've got some filler pieces to finish out the right sleeve. Um, but uh, I have scheduled with one of the local artists here in Columbus uh, a sleeve for my left side. And I wanted to dedicate it to all of the uh, military service that my family has completed uh, from, from, you know, my grandparents slash, you know, grandparent uh, all the way down to my youngest brother who is in the Air, you know, Air Force. So 
that was something that I've thought about for a few years. I never really like, I never really knew what I wanted to do. Um, but I kind of figured out within the last like year and a half that I wanted to do like a, a contribution to, to the family members that served in the military and the armed forces and things like that. Um, and then obviously myself included. So, and I always wanted a collar piece cause I don't have, I have one collar piece that's in memory of my grand, uh, my grandfather who passed away from, uh, from a stroke. Uh, he was in the U S Navy, uh, for four years, but, uh, so I got that piece done a couple years ago, you know, after shortly after he passed away, but I wanted to do something for everybody involved in the military, uh, that I could basically, I guess I could show off, uh, in the summertime wearing short sleeves and things like that. Um, because, uh, the piece that I got for him was, was on my upper thigh. So like, I'm not really showing that one off. It was more so for me. So, you know, it, uh, tattoos for me kind of mean a lot like i try to every piece that i get i try to have like some sort of meaning behind it i don't uh, i'm not one of the people that like just goes out and gets tattoos just because i like them or like it's about the design or whatever uh for me it's it's you know there's there's an actual meaning behind it and um i know my my grandmother didn't necessarily like them at first like she always like your body's a temple you know that kind of like stereotypical like you know older generation that doesn't really like fall in the the realm of tattoos like that wasn't the norm for them like if you had tattoos normally you know you were kind of like an outlaw you were kind of like on the on the bad side of society and you know you didn't contribute to the greater good um but obviously things have changed in in the last 40 years and and a lot of you know a lot of tattoos you know in general mean something to to whoever gets them um and i know that you have some cameron um have you have have you had a chance to talk about them at all on the podcast no i'll do it at a later point okay i was yeah. i was curious if you would talk about them because um, i will i will that's something that I obviously I, I understand and I know the story behind and yeah you know uh, with the ending of of the last episode it's it's very you know similar in in, in statue so I was curious to know yeah. if, if that'll ever come up in in one of the podcasts it will um, you know there's there's the reoccurring theme of mental health awareness and keeping on top of things with yourself and others and yeah, that's what they relate to, but it'll stay a mystery for now for uh, for anyone listening. When when and if, if is a big if, I do an episode about myself, I will go into great detail. I think we should all vote for a <laughs> yes on uh, Cameron getting his own episode. Maybe I can come back and like interview you or someone else can come back and interview you. Maybe we can do like a joint effort, like four or five of us. Get like four or five yeah. close friends together. Yeah. Just pop off questions to me. Oh yeah. I could trust me. I could think of some questions. <laughs> Why in the hell <laughs> did you ever think this is a good idea? 
no, no. But uh, yeah, I definitely, I definitely do want to, I definitely do want to see the other side, you know. And I'm sure there are listeners out there that you know are gonna get tired of hearing all these random ass dudes and chicks and whatever stories, and they want to hear the guy that that that's been hosting this for you know X amount of episodes. The the close friends who have stopped by have always have asked me recently, like, when are you going to do an episode? It's like, dude, I have barely done any episodes. <laughs> I mean, are you going to keep teasing us? Like, I thought after the pilot episode, that was going to be you as the first person. No. No way. So you're going to be we'll a get mission, there. man. You're gonna we'll be, get there. So what is that? The masquerade? You're, you're, <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be the masquerade for how long? How long? I'll get there. Can you give I just, me an estimate? I don't know. Uh, I So the goal is to do this for a while. Like, I would love to do this for a long time. And I actually just heard a stat. I think it was yesterday. It's like most podcasts only last like five, between five and ten episodes. And I'm already at like 11. So I'm doing pretty good so far. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to do this for a while. And if it's a possibility... I'll get there eventually. Episode 69. <laughs> the Shat Man. Uh, shout out. I'll do, like, if I get to 420.69, that'll be my episode. 420.69, 420. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Well, okay, so. If I could interview 42,000 people like this, that would be a dream come true. That's honestly. more than Joe Rogan. Yeah. I know. <laughs> if you could listen okay so it, how many weeks is that let's let's put this in perspective <laughs> so uh, there's 52 weeks in a year and i don't have my phone so i'm doing this strictly on my head so uh, we'll do what's what's four divided by 50 so four divided I don't by know. five so that's about 80 percent it's 808 so years yeah i was gonna say that's 800 <laughs> years at minimum so fortunately Maybe i'll just sit here for literally like three years straight and interview one person every single day and then whenever i'm gone good luck <laughs> good luck i would get tired of hearing people's stories i'd be like all right bro like cool story you're no different than the last 600,000 <laughs> people I've interviewed. Yeah, there's there's obviously no way I'm getting to that many people. <laughs> okay, so maybe we can shoot for like episode 69. <laughs> You're ridiculous. I mean, I've got to be ridiculous, dude. Uh we you know, I talked about military, I talked about home life, I talked about college. Uh but I haven't talked about what I've done after college. And this was kind of a struggle for me because I was very invested in continuing on with what I studied for. Um, I wanted to be a police officer. I wanted to be, you know, a part of that small percentage of individuals that, you know, upheld the law. And it started with you know, all of the uh, local police departments in Columbus. So uh, I had applied for seven or eight departments, um, one including the uh, Ohio State Highway Patrol. And, you know, I, I had the opportunity to take some of the tests. Um, some of them through were through, like, the National Testing Network, which was kind of like the 
the outside program that scored the test and then sent the you know the test scores to the departments which is kind of like outsourcing right um but you know i i didn't i never studied for the 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 national testing network test because you had to purchase their book their study guide blah blah blah, blah. so like that was just additional money that i was going to spend um with no guarantee so i always did pretty good uh, just slightly below the, the 90 percentile band, which I found out after the fact that that's what all police departments hire in. They, they, they basically hire you in on your test scores. Um, so if you don't have like phenomenal test scores, you, at, you know, at the time, obviously you weren't getting in. Um, and it may be a little bit different now with, you know, the U.S.'s culture and, you know, a lot of things have changed. A lot of uh, political things have changed, and it's just kind of like crazy right now. But you know, while I was applying back in like 2018, so about three, it would have been a little over three years ago at this point. Uh, I think it's 2017, 2018 time period. Um, I saw a lot of a lot of uh, declines, a lot of you know, no callbacks, a lot of you know. A lot of negative results basically um which kind of like started to kill my dream a little bit um the three departments that i advanced the most into were columbus police department ohio state highway patrol and i think dublin so dublin pd had their own written test that they administered and um I remember going one weekend, and in that one weekend, uh, the one day that I was there, there was over 120 people seated taking the, the written test at the high school in Dublin the same day that I was there. That's a lot of people who want to be a cop. Yeah. Um, Just in one town, yeah. too. So I think the total class was something over 600 people that ultimately got interviewed and, and took the test. Um, obviously, that, that there wasn't that many people that got hired. I mean, it was probably like maybe 40 that got preliminarily hired and then went through like the physical fitness portion and things like that and some of the other, uh, some of the other uh, hot topics that, you know, departments look for, like mental health and things like that. But, uh, yeah, it was super crazy. So, like, there's a ton of applicants, um, especially, like, applicants that I wasn't even expecting like there was every shade of life in that testing room from people that grew up you know on you know the opposite side of the spectrum from law enforcement to you know the the guys and gals that grew up with police officers as family members so it was really it was a really unique experience and in, in having conversations which with uh, certain individuals and kind of seeing like, okay, why do you want to be a cop? And, you know, hearing their side of the story. Uh, so, uh, moving forward from like Dublin, um, you know, obviously I got a no back from them. I just didn't, you know, meet their percentages or whatever. But uh, Columbus PD, I made it really far. So I made it through the physical fitness portion. I made it through the initial testing portion. Um, Columbus PD had a unique test where basically they record you, um, in your responses to like situations and then you're graded upon by two police officers. 
So super subjective portion of uh, the interview process for them because it was basically like, we know you have no training in this job field or like we expect no, they're, you know, expects you to not have training in this job field. But here we are grading you on a recorded interview about, oh, you responded to Susan's house. Uh, her next door neighbor's son broke one of her basement windows because they were playing baseball out in the yard. And there's a, you know, dispute between the neighbors. Um, and then you have to like respond and like talk about how you would write a report and this and that, blah, 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 blah. So like, it was a really weird experience. Like I'd never experienced that from any of the other law enforcement agencies um, and taking their tests. So ultimately I scored uh, combined just below the 80 percentile band uh, because I did a little worse on like the recorded portion. Um, and it could have just been luck of the draw. Like, you know, the, the cops that did, you know, the grading portion were like, nah, I didn't really like his answer or whatever. I would have done it this way. So they scored me lower, but, um, it was, uh, it was a good learning experience and, and seeing like how they operated and things like that. Um, and last but not least the Ohio State Highway Patrol, I made it past the written, past the, you know, PT portion into the background check and made it all the way through the background check to find out that like, Hey, I made a couple mistakes while I was in college, you know, drug usage with marijuana and, um, they didn't like that. So they basically, uh, I was literally finished with the background portion. Like I had just gotten an email from my background investigator that I was going on to the mental health assessment. And then like after the mental health assessment, I was going to the academy. I was hired as long as I, you know, obviously passed through the academy. But, um, I remember her hitting me up via email and she's like, Hey, you'll shortly in, in a couple of days, you'll, you'll get an email that's basically explaining why you were denied and sure enough like you know the couple times that i used marijuana in college came back to kind of bite me in the ass when it came to starting my career so i didn't really know what to do at that point i was kind of like damn like i had applied for eight different departments in columbus really i had lost hope um i i just kind of Or is it a loss of, uh, it was a loss for like what I wanted to do. So I had a hobby of like riding motorcycles and I always enjoyed riding motorcycles and, um, I kind of ran with that. So I got a job shortly after with a motorcycle dealership, a local motorcycle dealership for Columbus. Um, and then moved on from the motorcycle dealership to a car dealership. Um, and then ultimately went back to the motorcycle dealership just because I enjoyed the job. I enjoyed like being around motorcycles, being around other people who enjoyed motorcycles. Uh, it, was, it wasn't like the best culture just because like, 
you know, it's it's a little a little rough around the edges. You uh, had arguments with coworkers about certain things, and you know, like there was different you know views on work orders and customers, and I mean, it's just like a handful of things that you could run into, right? But um, ultimately, I was made aware of um, Amazon. And at the time, like, I thought fulfillment center, like, warehouse job, delivery job, whatever. Um, but it was in a data center. And I'm like, okay, well, what's a data center? I've never worked in one. I don't know what the hell that is. Um, could you explain more? And the, the explanation that I got was, like, hey, you'll be doing logistics, very similar to what you were doing at the motorcycle dealership uh, because I was the parts manager I dealt with logistics quite often um, so they're like yeah it'll be with logistics so again I was sitting there thinking like oh it's gonna be fulfillment center like I'm doing logistics this isn't really what I'm interested in but you know like at the time I was like you know fuck it whatever we'll just try it out see what happens so, you know, thinking like logistically, I'm like, oh, well, it'd be similar to like the car dealership even. But uh, to kind of go into the car dealership experience a little bit before I step into Amazon, um, it was weird. So like motorcycles are one thing, um, especially in the state of Ohio, like motorcycles are kind of like seasonal for Ohio. So like, you know, like, all right, well, you've got from like May until October, November ish. Um, for myself, I like to ride all year round. Um, I have proof that I've ridden every month for a year straight. Um, and that was a couple years ago. Uh, this year I haven't rode in January yet, but I rode every month prior to last year. I think I bought my motorcycle back in July. Um, I went a year without it just to kind of like take a break. But um, when I purchased my motorcycle in July, I rode every month of 2021. So, you know, July through December, obviously. Um, so this year I want to continue on with the condition uh, that I I even, like, went out and purchased, like, a jacket liner that's heated and glove liners that are heated just so I could be, Ooh. like, a little bit more comfortable. I uh, bet that's nice. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> so I haven't even tried it yet, but I'm assuming it will be nice. Uh, cause it's supposed to go underneath, like it's supposed to be like you have a t-shirt or long sleeve shirt on and then you put the jacket liner on and then like a hoodie or like a windbreaker or something and then yeah. like whatever you ride in. Um, so that should be super nice and I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, it runs off of your battery. So it's like a 12 volt system. So it's definitely going to be warm. Uh, so super excited to try that out, and I spent a freaking ton of money to purchase it because it was like a couple hundred bucks. It's like riding a motorcycle with a heated blanket wrapped around you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and especially for like, for me, like I have a windshield and a fairing and stuff because uh, I ride a full, like it's a full dresser. Yeah. Um. So like having the that fairing and that windshield like to break the wind is nice, but you know obviously it's still cold outside. Yeah. The like the air temperature is still cold, so having that like heated gear is gonna make a freaking ton of a difference. And I'm super excited to test it out. And you know honestly, if it wasn't snowing today, um, and it, it, and if it wasn't 17 degrees outside, I probably <laughs> would have rode my my bike here. 
Um, but to <clears throat> excuse me to to kind of talk about the car dealership a little bit more. Um, it wasn't something that I was like really comfortable going into. It was like a new venture for me because like sure I had a little bit of experience like selling seasonal recreational vehicles, but that's like a hobby. Like that's something that people get excited for. Uh, selling cars like most of the time people aren't excited to buy a car. Like they're either buying a car because they just kind of like get the hunch and they want a new car or they need a car. So there was not like, there wasn't really like, um, like the wow factor, like the exciting, like I'm going to the car dealership. Like this, the stigmatism behind car dealerships is like, Oh man, it's a dealership. They're going to steal my money. They're going to, you know, break my bank. They're going to, you know, they're the enemy basically. Right. Um, so like going into it, the type of person that I am, I always try to get the person that I'm dealing with the best deal possible. And, um, when it comes to making money, that's like the complete opposite that you want to be in the, in the, the dealership world. Like you want to make the most money off of people. You want to like profit the most off of them. Um, but for me personally, like I would rather somebody be happy with their purchase and not have like regrets over making like the additional 500,000, $2,000 or whatever on the sale. So, um, I remember when I sold my first car, it was a used car. It was a 2013, I think, uh, GMC Acadia. And it was an older couple. And I remember sitting down and running the numbers for them and letting them go for a test drive. And uh, the, uh, the wife was pretty dead set on it. I mean, it was a nice car and stuff. And um, for me, I've always been like a huge proponent on purchasing like warranty services and I tried to get them to purchase the warranty services and they didn't well you know three four months later um, I see that same customer in and I thought they were just in to do you know to do whatever just like check in say hi whatever Uh, but unfortunately she was in the service department getting the car serviced and I guess like a steering component or something went out on the car and it would have been something that would have been covered under the warranty, but they opted to not purchase the warranty. So like it made me kind of feel shitty, I guess, in a way that, you know, they were excited to purchase this new car. They love the car, blah, blah, blah. They take it home. And then, you know, a short couple months later, they're spending a thousand dollars to get it fixed. So I, w- I was never really like excited about that portion of the job because like yeah you would always have repeat customers but most of the time they were repeat customers because they were getting something done to their car outside of like normal maintenance Um, and that's not to say that like the dealership missed the problem like nobody knew that that problem existed like it wasn't a problem when it was here it was just something that failed that happened to fail you know a a couple months after they had purchased it Um, So there was no like warning signs and there was nothing that like the dealership could have done, but it still sucks seeing like, you know, they were coming out of pocket to, to pay for those repairs. So um, for me, that wasn't like super exciting. Um, What was super exciting about car dealership life for me was like getting somebody their first car, like they purchased on their own. Um, and there's an individual, uh, a guy that I sold a car to, it was his first car that he ever purchased on his own. And, uh, him and I actually continued like 
talking to one another on, you know, like a semi-annually basis. Like I would hit him up. Uh, he added me on Snapchat and I, I would hit him up and be like, Hey, how's the car doing? You know, blah, 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 blah. And I know like two years after I had left the dealership scene, um, he was still driving that same car. So like those were the fun experiences to, to have with customers and stuff like that. But, um, it wasn't like an exciting time. Like I spent a lot of time at the dealership and actually when I worked at the car dealership, it actually took a toll on my personal relationships, uh, with, uh, the girlfriend at the time. And like, I was spending like 60 to 80 hours a week working. So like my home life kind of shattered because of that. And I ran into some personal issues and, and ultimately like, I had to make a, a tough decision and ended a relationship over it because I was so focused on, you know, working towards my future and my career that I kind of like neglected that other side of, of my life. So car dealership world for me really, really was like a, a rough time, but it was kind of like a good experience because I kind of figured it out. Like, Hey, uh, I care about, you know, people too much to like, be that slummy sales guy that just wants to make money you know what i mean yeah you always hear about that slummy used car salesman and like it's even just a like a slang term for like a sleazy person yeah absolutely and you know that was always like the biggest like blocker for most customers is like they came in with the expectation that i was just going to be some kind of piece of shit that just wanted all their money and that was never it. Like, yes, I made decent money and, you know, some customers were kind of naive to the process. And sure, those were the customers that I made a little bit more money on. But it, that was never really the end goal for me. Um, I wanted to get into, like, the finance portion where I could make potentially more money um, by selling, like, service contracts and things like that. And, you know, like, the back end uh, side of the business. But... Ultimately, I decided to leave because it just didn't seem like it was a good fit for me. So um, that's kind of when I went back to the motorcycle world and got into logistics. And, and, and ultimately, that's kind of what steered me towards Amazon. Um, hearing that uh, there was a logistics position open in Columbus area. Um, I didn't really know what I was going to be doing, like I said. And I thought it was going to be like fulfillment center stuff. But luckily, it was in the data center. Um, so when I got into the interview and stuff like that, um, I realized that it was nothing like the fulfillment center. And of course, like that's everybody's go-to like, Oh, you work for Amazon. You must be a delivery driver or you work in the fulfillment center. You're packaging our boxes. Like, where's my shipment? And that was always kind of like the funny joke the first like six months. And then it was like <laughs> super annoying afterwards. But, um, you know, honestly, it was something that I like kind of like learned to grow with. And, and I would always joke back, you know, I never took it too, you know, too serious, too, too to heart or whatever. But, um, it, um, it lasted for about a year and a half before I decided like, okay, I want something a little bit more challenging. So the, uh, the title of the episode is the data technician. And that was the position that I went for shortly after becoming, um, you know, the logistics guy. Um, so without going too far into detail, because some of the work that I do is um, for the government, I can't s specifically talk about, you know, things that I do, but um, the general basis of what I do is basically I work on computers. 
and I repair those computers when, you know, there's an issue. So for me, I didn't have like a technical background. I didn't have like an IT background, but um, I had built my own personal computer. And while I was in logistics, I had, um, I had kind of like cross-trained with the technicians to kind of like learn the job. So that way I could apply eventually and, and then ultimately like turn over and become one of the technicians myself. So um, moving forward with that, I, um, I've been a technician for a little over a year now. Um, and I've had some really good conversations about, you know, potential career moves and things like that where um, I'm looking forward towards potentially moving out of state for a potential position that may be opening up within like the next year, uh, looking to, to maybe potentially get into like management position from where I am now. So there's a lot of good things that have come from, you know, taking that risk and, and going into a position that I had nothing, you know, no clue about. Um, to where I am now. So it's, it's been a great transition and, uh, I'm really glad for the opportunities that I've had, uh, so far. And I'm, I'm really looking forward towards the opportunities that I may have in the future as well. Yeah, that's, uh, it's pretty cool. Um, I've seen like, you know, your whole growth from law enforcement to like being in the motorcycle and the used car sales business and then like you know you're a patient you didn't love everything that you were doing uh you weren't happy of not being in law enforcement but the patience was key and it's paid off uh pretty well so far so it's it's pretty exciting seeing you do all of this and uh hope to see what you get to accomplish in the near future with a potential move and management and all that. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate that because, you know, honestly, uh, it was a huge change in kind of like what my passions were and, um, you know, law enforcement, I spent three years in college for it. I spent another year and a half outside of college applying for positions and trying to get something going. Um, which, you know, obviously in the, in the times that we're in now, it's, it's, it's kind of honestly a good thing. And, and, and kind of reflecting back on listening to, um, Deshaun's episode, um, and hearing what he had to say, well, both episodes really hearing what he had to say, uh, being in law enforcement and then having a mutual friend who was in law enforcement and then ended up leaving because of, you know, the, the the situations that you're put in and, and some of the the hardships that you have to face um, as an individual and then like trying to like cope with those you know hardships it's it's very difficult so I kind of consider myself a little lucky um, in that aspect and I'm you know reflecting and, and being appreciative that I'm not put in those situations where you know I have to deal with uh, you know, situations that, you know, others have, or, you know, things that, you know, are, are generally negative, um, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And, uh, you know, looking back at episode one, um, and thinking about what I, what I ended off with, with like mental health and things like that. Um, I'm not entirely sure that I could have, um, 
made it through without having an issue. Um, you know, being put in those types of situations where, you know, just even like looking at situations in Columbus where, you know, officer responds and, and they have to, you know, shoot somebody like coping with that is, uh, is, is very difficult, especially when not only do you have to deal with it on a personal level, but you also have to deal with it, you know, how the media portrays you, how the community portrays you. And then obviously like administratively how, uh, you know, like for instance, like Columbus PD would look at it. Um, and then, you know, you being under investigation and, and having to take administrative paid leave and things like that. Like, I don't know that I could have, uh, I could have cut it. Um, especially like I said, with going through like the mental health crisis that I did, uh, this, this past year, um, I think it would have been very difficult to kind of like cope with. And, and again, I'm very appreciative that I don't have to cope with that. Um, and I think that there's still a part of me that is still interested. Like, you know, if things fell through with this position, I feel like I would have to, you know, turn back and, and kind of figure out what I wanted to do. And, and I think that's still something that ultimately, like, I could potentially rely on. Um, you know, hopefully not long term, but at least short term, I know that I could you know, potentially be successful in that. And, and maybe even looking at like smaller departments, they get less action and, and less potentially like dangerous or hazardous uh, positions and things like that. But it's something that, you know, ultimately I'm glad that I don't have to look forward to, but if I, if I do in the long run or in, in, in the grand scheme of things, then, you know, potentially I, I could just, you know, revert back into that stuff. But Really, um, to kind of close out this episode, um, I really do want to thank you, Cameron, and, and thank you for your, your platform and, and allowing me to kind of, you know, go over my life and, and talk about the things that kind of make me who I am. Um, and I know that there's a lot of details, and I said this in the first episode, there's a lot of details that I don't want to bring up, um, just stories and, you know, things that have happened in my life and, and things that I've viewed through you know, college and high school and, and after college and high school life, um, that, you know, I have shared memories with you and, and other individuals that have been on this up, you know, on this, um, not this episode, obviously, cause it's just me, but, um, on other episodes. And, uh, and like I said, I'm, I'm very appreciative for, for you having this platform and, and allowing me to come out and do my, my portion of the story. Yeah, man. I, uh, love having you here two separate times to do you know like full episodes i think it's a lot of fun uh, and i really appreciate you telling your story because i think it's it's powerful i do think you already have a powerful story even not even being 30 years old yet um and you know if there's someone out there listening who you know relates to you or um has like similarities in their lives that maybe they're you know, dealing with awesome things or they're, you know, sitting there waiting for the next potential awesome job or, you know, maybe they're struggling and I hope that they can listen to what you have to say and how you've powered through it and became a better person from it and learn and grew and, you know, all those fun things. I think it's awesome having you here and hearing everything that you have to say. So really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and coming out. 
Um, I think I asked you in the first episode, but I mean, you're back for a second one. So uh, if you want, um, I can ask you the question again. Um, You know, if there's another piece of advice that you want to leave with someone, um, anyone who's maybe your future kids or anyone listening, what, uh, what do you want that piece of advice to be? So something that, um, I just talked about at work, um, we're talking about like how fast paced it seems that some, some projects go, um, with just within work just in general and that could be with anything um whether you work as a data technician or you work as a doctor or you work as you know whatever um a piece of advice that i received uh, and i'm sure there's many different variations on on how it's said but um the quote that i kind of want to leave off with this episode is slow is smooth smooth is fast and fast is effective. Um, and what that means to me is, you know, hey, you know, a lot of times life is pretty fast paced, but once we really kind of slow things down, um, kind of get the hang of it, and it's a lot smoother, uh, well, being smooth is, is fast. Um, and what that means is like, okay, you know, it may not be fast in the sense of like speed, right? But it may be fast in as like, you can do it effectively enough that when you're going through the process, especially if it's a longer process, uh, you're able to focus in on the on the nitty gritty, the details, and make sure that everything's squared away before you proceed to the next step. Um, and and when being effective, you want to make sure that you know you're delivering whether it's a product or a presentation or whatever that case may be. Um, you're delivering it you know, to the full effect, the best that you can as the person that you are or in the position that you're in, um, for potential, you know, stakeholders like directors or board of directors, blah, 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 blah. Um, that's something that I've kind of figured out through the military, through my civilian career. Um, and, and so far it's worked very well for myself. Um, and it's kind of how I've decided to like move forward in my career and move upward in my career. It's like, I don't want to try to push things too fast. Um, I want to be smooth about it because I want to be able to deliver the results that I want to deliver and, and, and meet those, you know, career goals that I want to, that I want to meet. I want to throw a little plus one tidbit on top of that. If you don't mind, go ahead. It's attention to detail. Attention to detail. Yeah. Details are key. Yeah absolutely details are key yep but you know that's really all that i have and you know i think there's a potential that you know we could do a a further episode where uh we give updates and and things like that and maybe i can go back in and re-listen to both episodes um and and pick out some things that i left out that potentially could could turn into episode three but um i want to give everybody else an opportunity to come out and um, utilize this this platform to kind of get their story out and and then potentially plan for the future with you Cameron absolutely I appreciate it uh, I would love to have not just you but anyone who wants to come back I'd love to have them come back for more episodes um, even you know after they listen to their episodes and it's like hey I want to mention all these things now or like you know a couple years down the road they're like hey 
things have changed in my life and I want to give an update. Yeah. And we got to get to episode 420,069. <laughs> so yeah, whatever. Um, but yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for coming out. I really appreciate you doing this and sharing your story. Yeah, I loved, yeah. you know, listening to every minute of it. So, and again, thank I, you. I appreciate you for having me as well. All right. Until next time. We'll see you. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Fatal to Prejudice. If you or anyone you know would like to be a guest, please visit my website at CameronChats.com and fill out the contact me form. Please fill out the subject line as podcast interview and write me a small blurb on why you or someone you know should be a guest. I'll leave a link in the description for ease of access. You can support this podcast by listening to it on your favorite podcasting site. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Another way to support is by becoming a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash fatal to prejudice. Patreon is the only monetary support system. If you would like to sign up and support through there, I am forever grateful for you. Again, thank you for tuning in.